0: That's heritageradionetwork.org slash 15 to donate and enter to win today, and make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you.
1: Hello, welcome to the Speaker's Corner at Raw Wine, sponsored by the Montreal Tourism Board. Um, starting now is presenting Natural Wine 101, a conversation with Sam Rubin and the uh, founder, of Raw Wine Fair and Master of Wine, Isabel Legeron. Thank you.
2: So thank you everybody for coming. Um, I have the privilege of sitting with Isabel, who is really what this is all about. I mean raw wine is uh, Isabel's vision. She is the founder and she is very passionate about this and there is no person better to talk to you about what natural wine is, what the natural wine movement is, what it means, where it's going, and we're gonna get into that discussion um, pretty heavily. Um, I'm Sam Benrubi, I do a weekly show on Heritage Radio Network called The Grape Nation. It's every Wednesday, it's available as a podcast, and we try to bring in the best people in wine and let them talk about what they're doing and what's going on. And Isabel was on the show a couple of weeks ago to help promote the event and create awareness. And Isabel is the only person who's been a guest three times on the show because um, when I started doing the show, Isabel had just started doing the Raw Wine Fair, and I said I got to get behind this and. I got to track Isabel down, and it was such a success. We did it the second year, and you know this year is now bigger than ever, as you could see. Um, we brought the speakers' corner back, and both days are sold out. Right after uh, a sold-out day in Montreal, so welcome and thank you, and let's try to uh, get right into this. Um, <clears throat> Isabel, I-, I think the best thing. To get this thing started is to have you define what a natural wine is. And I think the important thing is how you define it.
3: Sure. I mean, so first of all, can I get a sense as to, can you hear me okay? The the sound is good at the back, Not, not so good. How about if I speak more like this, is it better? Yeah? Okay, cool. So, who works in the wine industry? Okay, and then I guess, you know, we have a, a small proportion, actually, of people working in the wine industry, so that's that's great. Um, what I'd love this to be, and you know, um, with Sam's help, is, is to get something which is also a little bit interactive, because, you know, we're gonna throw some things out there. I've got lots of questions for you, maybe more questions than answers. Uh, in a way, and then I'd love to take questions from 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 the floor and and try and have a bit of a debate, right? Um, so, to to start off, look, you know, what is a natural wine? What is a low intervention organic biodynamic wine? Um, I guess you're all into this. I'm, I'm sort of you know preaching to to the converted here, um, and I wanted this talk to be about. Where we're at now, where we're coming from, but also actually, what you know, what's next uh, for for industry. Um, everything is about the farming. You know, we talk about the the, the farming a lot, and I think it, this is more important than than, than ever. So for me, the, the, whether you talk about natural wine or low intervention, organic, biodynamic wine, you know, everything starts in the in in, in the in the vineyard. Ninety percent of the work, in my opinion, is in the vineyard, and I think if you spend any time out there with the growers you know, the, the main conversation will be about how important the, f- the farming is. Um, and for me, that's important for a number of reasons, and we can talk about maybe the seller l- later. But, you, you know, for me, organic farming, um, and I don't think I need to explain what organic farming, but whether we talk about organic farming or biodynamic farming or permaculture uh, farming, is, is, is about Well, wh- I think,
2: just quickly, I mean, permaculture, you should explain what it is. Um, There's a difference between biodynamic and organic. I mean, if you quickly just, you know, cover those three things, I think it would help everyone.
3: Yeah, sure. I mean, okay, to be honest, for me more and more, these terms relate to a, a certification process. And, and when you talk to, you know, so, so organic farming, I think you're, you're familiar. You know, it's it's uh, it's really about reacting to, to a problem coming your way and and, and using, you know, uh, organically approved uh, products. So moving away from the more man-made, synthetic sort of uh, a contact or or even um, you know, more permissive sort of products. Um, for me, in a way, organic farming is like the very bare minimum uh that you that that you can do um, biodynamic is 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 a more for me is a more holistic approach when you look you, you, you use um, you know whether it's the lunar cycle or whether you use more preparation based or or trying to improve soil life um, but again it's it's you know it's it's a it's a certification process and, and i find that a lot of growers if you go and speak to the growers out there, the, the best growers and the best wines are actually people who go way beyond what is organic or what is biodynamic. You know, it's people who are very observant, people who try and move away from using any copper at all. Or so so I think in a way it's become almost reductive now to talk about just you know organic right. or biodynamic. Permaculture is, is also a very holistic way of of farming where you try and use in as as little sort of Outside inter, in, interferences as, as as possible. You can go to speak to Jason Ligas, who for me from Domaine Ligas in in, in Greece, who's a brilliant example of a of a, of a very good permaculturist um, farmer, uh, who will, for example, use plants from the neighbouring neb- neighbouring um, uh, mountains to use as preparations for the vineyards, but who will be very careful in only collecting certain, you know, a little bit of flowers, a little bit of of of, of leaves, but not sort of being overly um, abusive of, of, of the system so right. that that you know but um, you know for me quality is is really coming from the organic farming system Um You know, if you want to have the microbiology life, if you want to have all the elements coming from your your, your vineyard, you have to preserve that life to start with. Um, If you want to talk about terroir, you have to have the life in in, in your vineyard. Um, If you have a vine growing uh, on a, on, a, on a soil which is completely dead there will be no microbiological life there will not be any ability for the vines to actually break down and have access to to the nutrients so you might as well be growing you know a, a vine uh, you know in in the middle of nowhere right. on, on 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 a water system and and you wouldn't get any nutrients and, and and therefore there's no there's no contact there's no terroir you can't talk about terroir until un, unless you talk you know, about, about organic farming. If there's no communication between the vine and a live soil, and the, the, that communication is only possible when you have organic farming, uh, then you cannot talk about terroir, then you cannot talk about natural wine. You know, for me, this is 90% of, of the work.
2: Well, I had asked you that earlier. I, you know, I almost, it almost sounded gullible. I said, what percentage of natural wine is really in the farm and what is really in the cellar? You mentioned it twice. I mean, Isabel said that 90% of natural wine is the farming. It really starts. Um, And
3: also, we have a responsibility as an industry, uh, whether you grow uh, the grapes or you make the wine, we have a responsibility to not poison the planet and to not poison the people who buy the wine. You know, literally speaking. There is a perception sometimes that fermentation is a purification process. You know, I don't know if you've ever heard that, but it's the same in the spirit industry. We believe that distillation purifies, but distillation concentrates. Fermentation is exactly the same. You don't ferment grape juice and have all the bad stuff being precipitated out out of the the wine. so. So
2: your point is, natural wine ferments better. The fermentation is better because the natural product, you haven't killed off all the...
3: Right, well that's another aspect, so um, obviously, if you farm organically, you don't have all the pesticide residues. Right. Um, and I think people in people's minds... does that mind,
2: interfere with fermentation? All but the- then,
3: if obviously, if you if you if you farm your vineyard using tons of fungicides, for example, which will kill off the fungus and yeast is a fungus, then by using products and spraying your vineyards, you're going to bring in grapes that are you know, sort of dead anyway. Um, by dead, I mean there's no, literally speaking, no, no life or no, no, no microbiology. You know, and in a way this is kind of what happened after the Second World War, when or even after the First World War, when people started using more and more products in, in, in the vineyards. They got to a stage in the 70s and the 80s where actually the, they were bringing the grapes in, but they couldn't ferment and people couldn't understand why they were not fermenting. And then that's the realization that this fermentation process was not happening because of the excess product we were using in the, in, in the vineyards. And then we started using yeast. We thought, oh, this is the answer. We'll start adding yeast. But then they realized, actually, the grapes didn't have enough nutrients. And then we're going to start adding vitamins and enzymes and, and provide the nutrients for the fermentation process. And I guess this is this whole, you know, it's like putting your little finger in the grinder. You, know, you can't get it out. Once you start... This process is very hard, which is why in order to make natural wine or low intervention, biodynamic and organic wine, you have to go back to the farming. You have to go back to ground zero and convert your vines, convert your farming, and then you can move towards um, organic and, and, and you know a, a natural fermentation. It doesn't happen just like that.
2: So why, why doesn't everyone do it? You know, why... I mean, we talked about how people are obsessed with eating organic foods and natural foods or more organic. W- why doesn't everyone farm that way? Is it expense? Is it lazy? Uh, I mean, it seems like the right practice.
3: Yeah, th- I mean, that's and a really great question. And I know that question. frustrates you. Yeah, of course, that's a really great question. And, and I think more and more, you know, with the work that we're doing here, and you know, I start, when I started Raw Wine in 2012, I wanted to organize a, a local fair in London um you know make sure that these growers had the, the right audience that people would come discover the wine's taste and, and and buy the wines. You know, I didn't really think we would be here a few days a few years later here in, 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 in Brooklyn or, or, or Los Angeles. And I think you know the, the the movement has really gained momentum. I mean look at this you know we're sold out you know it's a, it's an amazing accomplishment. It means that people want these wines more and more. But I think with this comes a responsibility. Um, and yes, I find it really frustrating that only seven percent of the vineyards worldwide are farmed organically.
2: Seven percent.
3: Seven percent. Or, oh, um, and and so I think now, you know, our responsibility as an industry, or as somebody who drinks those wines, is to tr- is is to really, um, I guess, go beyond what's going on right now. You know, we need. You know, we have this, I always, you know, this is a beautiful day, we're in this bubble, really, of, of people who are like, you know, everybody's happy, the wines are uh, tasting, Are you everybody's calling Brooklyn to... a bubble? There's <laughs> <laughs> a bubble from, yeah, particularly from the you Marathon. Could, you could be right, though. Um, but I guess what's important is to think about, you know, the bigger picture now. You know, we are at a time where we can cause change, um, and at the same time, because more and more people are drinking these wines, We also have to be more and more responsible. You know, there's no official definition as to what a natural wine is, right? There's no, um, you you know, now, if you have a cloudy wine, then that's almost enough to be sold in a restaurant. And I think we need to now, and going back to the farming, I think we need to to be more and more responsible, and more responsible than ever. Um, We need to start asking even more questions, because we can have a big impact. And I think your point about you know being frustrated like with the restaurant scene is that you have still tons of restaurants out there who will say, Oh, my, my, my the beef I use comes from this farm, it's grass fed you know, brilliant origins, and they will still use the winess equivalent of, of a battery farmed chicken. So we're still really very far away. So what I'm I'm saying is I actually we have there you know, are a long way to go. There
2: are, you know, restaurants that source everything that don't have natural wines, and it doesn't make sense.
3: It's, in a way, it's a hypocritical for me, um, I, I, and I guess, right. as an industry, I think we need to start, and, and as people who go out, I think we need to start asking a lot more questions and, and demand more answers um, and play more of an active part, even more of an active part than we've been doing.
2: So just bring part of this full circle, because when you're making a natural wine, You know, you've stated that the importance and the high percentage is the farming and agricultural part. The other part is the winemaking part, um, which, you know, in your mind is a smaller percentage. What are the practices of natural winemaking? It's low intervention, nothing in, nothing out. Explain once you get in the cellar after you've, you've, you've had the right practices. How are you making, you know, that wine?
3: Sure, I mean, look, natural wine, I don't I don't know, I mean, what? what is your perception of, 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 of natural wine? I don't know, in, in, in people's vocabulary, you know, I I see the word natural wine being used more and more. Um, that's why at the fair, I'm really conscious that whenever we talk about the, the fair, we are a natural uh low intervention organic and biodynamic wine fair for me a natural wine is literally nothing added and nothing nothing taken away so it's a 100% you know grape juice in the cellar and So out in, the in the cellar the, the grapes come in the natural fermentation process which is you know, obviously really incredibly hard, right. uh, which is why the farming is so important. And you can, I think that's that's the great question to ask growers. And we, I can see we've got a few growers here. Um, you know, Antonia Manulli over here uh, makes completely natural wine, Lorenzo Corino. I think the hardest part is to make wine completely naturally, um, which is why the, 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 everything starts in, in, in the farming. Here we we let people add... A little bit of sulfites, up to 70 pots per million, uh, which, to be honest, is actually quite generous. Um, now,
2: sulfites is an additive that you add to the finished product. No, you can or... add
3: sulfites throughout the winemaking process okay. on, on the berries. In fact, you can add sulfur, um, you know, in in, in, in the vineyard uh, for you know for disease disease prevention. Right. Then you can add sulfites, you know, on on the on the grapes in the juice. Throughout the fermentation process all the way to the to the bottling stage.
2: But at a much limited
3: So here we, we we let we only allow sort of 70 parts. I would say most of the growers out there add, you know, a lot less a right. lot less than this. Um, and I think you know that also brings I think an important point um, about where we're at. Um, some of you probably travel. I mean, some of you in the in the wine industry probably come and travel to some of the wine fairs outside, you know, in in France and and, and Italy. Um, and at the moment, I think there's you know there's quite a lot of divides. People want to do their own little events because they only want to be with people who do not add anything and make completely sulfite-free wines. Um, and I think it's important for me now. This it's a time to sort of almost all come together because. We can create change, and you know what is the exciting prospect out of doing an event like this and getting people to drink more and more wine is that we can convert more and more acres to organic farming. Um, And that's, you know, when when I, when I decide, okay, we're going to do an event in in another location, for example. Really, the motivating factor is is obviously to try and support the growers and, and and open more markets, but it's also how can we. Help with conversion of organic farming. This is this is the the this is what for me is the most important aspect of, of the work That we do here.
2: So how, how do we do that? I mean the obvious thing is to support Byproduct, I mean, what are the things that we can do?
3: I think we need to support I mean the fair
2: the, is great exposure for winemakers and consumers and the trade. What else?
3: Yeah, I think just like keep spreading the word and keep buying the wines, uh, which I know sounds a bit of a silly thing to say because this is you know all all of you are here because you're huge supporters. But outside of this reality in Brooklyn or in Los Angeles or in New York, you know where people actually are getting really excited, you have a very different reality. You know if you're a grower and you grow grapes, your neighbor might think you're completely crazy. Your local restaurant probably will not buy your wines because they don't want to have different wines. So. You you know, we're very fortunate in in this very urban environment, but, you know, I I think that the experience of Growers is actually very different. So we just have to, um, I think we have to not relax. I think not think that actually we're we're finally getting somewhere, and we are finally getting somewhere. But I think it's really important that we push the boat and then we, you know, encourage people that we help spread the words that we, you know, because a lot of growers are not selling all their, all their products or their wines. You know, they're not actually selling the wines for the amount of money that they need to be selling the right. wines to actually survive. You know, the banks are not loaning necessarily uh, businesses if you're farming organically. I mean, it's a reality everywhere. But so, you know, there is a, actually quite a harsh reality. And also, I've noticed, you know, if you go out there, you'll see that some growers are super popular. And other growers are actually not that popular. You know, you can have a grower with three or four or five deep, and you're trying to access that one because you've heard of it, and then you have somebody else who's actually all by their, you know, on their l- lonesomes.
2: You know, that sometimes boils down to press, criticism, you know, uh, critic drinks a wine and writes about it. I know. Um, you know, all those things, marketing. Some people are absolutely. more savvy on social media. Yeah, absolutely. Which everyone, you know, can get better at.
1: No,
3: absolutely. But what I, my point is actually don't be fooled by that. You know, in a way it's just like be the person who is going to be discovering that new grower. Um, because it's easy, you know, because otherwise we're falling back into the same branding um, you know, strategy that we've kind of like, we're, where we've been coming from with all these kind of blue-chip names and you know the beauty of our world is that we're super liberal and accepting and we love different people and we love newcomers you know but as a as a new grower uh, sometimes it's quite hard to break into into a market so I guess it's part of like what can we do is also it's not just about I need to make sure I, I taste all these top tens because everybody's talking about them but actually you know there's a whole raft of people out there who may not be so well-known but who are equally deserving equally hardworking and who need to be, you know... Well, I think that's
2: represented, you know, inside. I mean, there's every level Mm. of, you know, winemaker, notoriety, new people represented, unrepresented. Um, Give us a little context, because right now I think the movement is... I don't even want to call it a movement, but natural wines, they're here. But why now and where did it come from? You know, how did this... How did we get to here?
3: Yeah. You know. How, yeah, sure.
2: Give me a little history on that.
3: I mean look, we you know, natural wine is as people have been making natural wine f- forever. You know, we've been making one for eight thousand years, um, and you know, we are we're experiencing a renaissance of actually something that has been made, you know, in, in, in a very similar way for, for literally thousands of years. Um, we we are a bit a bit lagging behind, I think. You know the the, the the wine industry because we've 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 experienced this this renaissance and this acknowledgement of this hard work and this artisanal production um, in the food industry, um, where you know we've rediscovered the farmers' market, we've rediscovered the proper farmhouse cheeses. Um, and then I would say you know it started in the 80s a little bit, uh, where some people, as a backlash from this green revolution um, went, you know, went, thought, hang on a second, you know, uh, we're we're now um, going completely overboard with with the products that we're using in in, in the vineyard. We're using more and more products in, 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 in the winery. So I think in the 80s, there was... Um, you know, people thinking things need to change, and that's where you started looking at actually the words "natural wine," um, and then people going back to a lot more traditional ways of of, of doing things. Um, and then, you know, I, I saw it with with the fair that we created in 2012. You know, I would say that the the, the momentum has been was that the first, huge. Fair? The, the first fair in London. Fair yeah um, where you, you know, and I would say that over the past two or three, four years, you know th- things have been getting a lot a lot more impactful in, in, in that so sense. if
2: you ask where are things at today, um, i 'll let you answer that, but you 're up to four, five, six fairs. you just launched Montreal, so obviously there's a buy in to natural wines because Montreal sold out, this event is sold out. So I know we're nowhere near where we need to be, but where are we? Yeah, you know, in the movement. I think. We, and what can we do? I mean, we, but
3: this is the point. You know, I think we are now. I mean, and I'd love to maybe get some 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 questions and see in your from your perspective. You know. As, as somebody who drinks natural wine, as somebody who makes natural wine, as somebody who buys natural wine for, for, for a living, or natural and low intervention, because I think it's important to make, to make the difference. You know, perhaps, you know, where do you see the next five years, or, um, you, you know, how do we progress from being more of a niche into something that becomes maybe a lot more mainstream? How, how do we get into... More of the restaurant trays. Um, how do we have more of that impact? Really, I mean, I don't have actually the, the the answer. You know, for me, it's it's doing maybe more events. It's it's making sure that we communicate about the hard work. Like I can see Antonella right here. You know, I know that for them, it's it's you know, there's so much hard work involved and so much tiny quantities made. How do we communicate about the, the, the quality of the work? that is going into into making wine when you have no ingredient labeling laws you have no way of knowing you just pick up a bottle of wine and actually there's no way of knowing how this particular bottle of wine has been has been made
2: right so the term natural wine is so vague in so many ways you you have to be careful but wine is such a social lubricant and it brings people together I mean isn't that the opportunity for people to really you know buy in and discuss Right. You know, natural wines. I mean, that—that's. What's the best thing to do? I mean, people should go into restaurants and support. They should ask
3: uh, and you, local
2: wine stores. I mean, isn't it as grassroots as that? To some exactly. extent. Exactly.
3: And you're right. We are in a unique, unique industry because wine, in a way, uh, crosses. Uh, you know, social classes. It it brings everybody together. You can have somebody from. You know. Uh, you know, wearing you know tattoos to somebody having like a you know wearing a suit and, and looking quite classic. And I've seen it with the fair. You know, in London uh, initially, um, people who came to the fair were were essentially people who were just really into natural wine or low intervention wine, and that's it. Whereas now we're getting actually a lot more of the establishment, a lot more established sort of you know wine wine buyers. And I think wine is a uniquely placed agricultural product because it has got this cachet, because it, people bring it to, to, to dinner tables, um, you know, and we mustn't forget that wine is also an agricultural product.
2: But what, what's your take on the fact, and you mentioned it earlier, you go into a restaurant and they'll source their food, the farms, you know, they'll say grass-fed, organic, um, people insist on buying organic products and all of that. But what's your explanation for why they give less of a crap about that for wine? You know, if, sorry, if you're, you know, if, if, if those are your practices, why wouldn't you carry it over to wine? Why are we not there yet?
3: This is a big frustration for me because I've worked with many, many chefs, um, and I've done a lot of food and wine pairings. I've done television programs with, with chefs, um, and... Initially, I remember I was working with a chef who spent more time figuring out the the (laughs) chinaware they were going to use for that particular dish than actually really caring that much about about wine. And I think, traditionally, you know, there is such a big divide between the kitchen. I don't know about your experience, but for me, I think there is a big divide with with the kitchen, uh, where chefs get all consumed about the creativity, the way the, the dish looks, and obviously sourcing the best ingredients. And then they relegate the entire floor work and sommelier work to a, 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 a very different team and there's very very little connection and, and and in fact you know i'm not talking about like places out there and 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 a lot of very exciting restaurants who are you know doing both but i think the vast majority of of restaurants nowadays are completely disconnected um, from 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 their wine list, it's almost like it's a foreign product. And I think it's because people haven't cro- crossed the bridge yet. They, they, they don't realize or they don't think of wine as food. And I think that, in a way, that's our big access, is just being able to relate the wine as food, as as, as a way um, of engaging, you know, as, as a product that you ingest, that has authentic taste. Um, and I think if we could access you know, that industry, uh, you know, I think actually that, you know, we could change a lot. We know we could, we could change the way agriculture and the way farming is. This is, this is our potential as an, as an industry.
2: So I, you know, I just ask over and over, how, how do you do that? I mean, it, it, I don't understand why more people, I mean, is it insistence? Um, you know, at your wine store, is it insistence at a restaurant? Um, is this movement enough to power that? Um, do is there a responsibility on the winemakers? Is it the business part of it? You know, distributors. I mean, are, are we not getting the messaging out? I mean, what do yeah, you? Yeah, I think
3: we should get some questions. That would be that would be great, and some comments maybe. Do you want to run through the? Somebody can. No, maybe
4: if you grab the
2: microphone and I just pass it around. It's taped down unfortunately. can't take it too far. Does that will
5: that go over? Hi, thank you. I mean, um, just a few number of ways. So, as a consumer, I have to walk or go in Manhattan to specific places. Go in and ask them. There are some wine stores that will cater to it and they'll and a few of them will have like nearly half the place that does this having that conversation when I go over a friends house families whatever you bring those wines you talk about them you do it that way as a previous restaurant owner have to educate people so you need almost two lists you know some that are a bit more particular state friendly and some that are not that are a bit more natural and then you start talking about the benefits and the pros and cons of what it is but the biggest thing in restaurants especially is is distributors. So there is certain companies that just run and they send their people over and say we got this, we got that, we got this kind of wine and then you have to go oh my god they sound great, you get great prices or whatever you don't get anyone coming in with a line of natural wines or anything along that sort so didn't know that but then there are wines within that um, portfolio but they don't say natural. They just say Italian. They just say French. They just say these things. So a lot of it is.
2: So they're know, not. There's not enough attention towards it, towards from the, distribu- or specification. From a
5: distributor standpoint, you know, could, I mean. Think
2: so you're about pinning it. it on the distributor a I'm little. Not, well, no, I, my, I don't mean in a bad not, way, yeah, but no, they can do a better it's job. It's my
5: experience when a distri- you know, a distributor can sell. A bottle to me for five, six dollars because they have like five thousand or ten thousand bottles. You know, having a restaurant in New York City, you know that that's what are your thoughts. That's a big savings.
3: Yeah, I I think also there's a. I agree with you. I think there's also a, a lack of knowledge, which surprises me. You know, as as a buyer, I get a lot of reps coming, and and we do a lot of tastings. And if I ask very simple question, even just like how is this wine fermented. Uh, people actually don't necessarily have the answer um, i think you have specialized portfolio you know owners and distributors who who will know because and, and all their wines will be very focused and and very low intervention and, and natural but i am amazed at the <coughs> in know the lack of product knowledge um, because people are more focused on this is a Sauvignon blanc and it costs eight dollars and it's great at your price point that you're looking for and and that's because that's another challenge, you know, when you, I mean, I work in restaurants and I run wine list programs and I, and I do staff training. As a sommelier, if, if you decide to go down the route of natural and low intervention, it's a lot of work. You know, you have to be across vintages because not all the vintages are the same. You have to be t- training people and you train them on one wine and actually within two weeks that wine is, is out of stock because there were only 10 cases available but like food but somehow people relate to wine as just like this product in a can on a shelf that like doesn't change and is always like co- is always Coca-Cola. the same Coca-Cola really Yes That's like business right.
5: off the beverage
3: Sure. Yeah, and I think it's, 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 it's laziness. I mean, in a way, I don't know about you, but how, how often have you been into a restaurant, you've got somebody coming to see you and you look into, into their eyes and you know that they could be selling car tires or they could be selling anything. You know, they're just there because, you know, great lunches, free trips. You know, really, from a, from a brutal perspective, when you when you uh, work in the wine industry, you know there's a whole lifestyle that gets attached to it. Mm-hmm. But how many people do you really connect to and go into a restaurant and look into their eyes and you know that these guys are or women, men, women, collectively, so are super excited. Mm-hmm. That's the other challenge, is mm-hmm. is, is that you have, you know, it's like getting in any industry. Getting
5: excited about something else, that's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And even, it, how, you yeah. know, like how we get our food, sometimes you can get it from a truck, you can get it from Jetro, you can get it from all these places, it makes it much easier, as opposed it's to getting easy. it from a farmer, but yeah. you know, person like that's the same thing. As, yeah, as it's easy, you're right. You're right, yeah. it's, it, yeah, is, yeah. it is a lot easier.
3: And yeah. I think that's why a lot of people write wine programs, that just tick boxes, and it's all about, okay, I need this great variety at, at this price point because mm-hmm. I can sell it for mm-hmm. you know, 20 or 30 bucks on a on wine list. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. Thank and you. I agree with you. So that's one of the big challenges, how we get the industry to be a lot more sensitive.
6: From a producer's point of view, I, I agree with the lady. I think we have a problem with distribution because uh, like isabel was saying uh, you know we go to the fairs and uh, we have seen this movement grow a lot and also the interest from uh, consumers uh, it's been uh, exponential growth and then there's there's a gap okay so we, we go back from the fairs we get mails you know we're on social media we get a lot of contact and everything and then, uh, and then there's the gap, because uh, first of all, I don't think there's enough distributors carrying natural wine. This is a problem, OK? Um, for instance, I'm Italian. And at the national level, uh, what I can do, what I think I will do, I will have to reach private customers by jumping and, and this, this intermediating, you know, like every other sector uh, did. Um, of course, when you go uh, abroad, then you need to have a distributor, so.
2: So are you saying it's hard to get distribution? And then yes. if you have it, yes. the attention or the effort isn't always okay, as good we as have, you want it to be, both?
6: We have a couple of um, typical situations, okay? Either you have a distributor that is, um, only, only carries natural wines, Right. okay? They're they're harder to find now. They may be becoming more common, but um, Typically, they are small and maybe they cannot invest so much or What uh, they do like every other distributor and they have the big names they take you in the portfolio They sell the big names because they're easy to sell. Maybe they sell um, producers that cost less And you're just kind of sitting there in their portfolio and not getting distributed, okay? But you know, if he believed in you, he could sell your wine quite easily because we know from the market we have, you know, a feedback. And uh, the other uh, situation is where you have um, uh, distributors that just don't carry natural wines. or Maybe maybe what I've seen, maybe a small change is, uh, you know, the... Conventional distributors now are adding a little bit of a line of natural wines. I think this is a very healthy change because we need to have distributors that have the um, the financial uh, we hope they're doing it because they distribute. want to, not
2: they because they have to. Hopefully.
0: We have a question. Yeah. So I'm curious. There are obviously a lot of standards that go into what wines can make it into the Raw Wine Fair, and I'm wondering if there's been any interest on the part of raw wine to make that into some sort of label or certification that can go onto wine bottles so that it kind of helps bridge the gap between all these parts of the, of the chain? Yep, yep. That's so right. wait,
2: can you explain, answer her question, but explain that you have a standard for people that, you know, are part of raw wine and attend here, yep. and what is that? And then, you know, sure. address her question.
3: So, so first of all, we have hundreds of queries every year. We turn down... I turn down dozens and dozens and dozens of wineries every year who want to come to the fair. We have uh, so certification, our, our own sort of like certification process. Um, so people have to be organic or biodynamic or another form of clean um, agriculture. Um, I would say 90% of the growers out there are certified. Uh, some growers are not certified, but then you know I will ask neighbors. Uh, we will make inquiries, uh, but we don't test. For anything at the at the moment um then we ask that people uh, f- ferment spontaneously so natural fermentation um and then there's no there's no sterile filtration and ideally no fining but if people decide to find then you know for me it's uh you know, it's not it's not ideal, but I understand that some people want want to find, and and therefore that's you know that's also okay. But I would say that most people out there do not do any finding, um, and then the only additive that they can use is is, is sulfites. So that's
2: the requirement. Cat is asking, are you going to? Make that a standard. Yeah, yeah or... of course,
3: because you know, more and more, you know, there's more. We are, you know, we are in. A, I am in a position with with the fair, and then and I have another hat as as a wine professional, where we're getting increasingly, you know, I guess popular, and we're getting more and more people wanting to to access the fair, um, and we are seeing, I guess, people who are seeing this as a marketing opportunity, and who are deciding suddenly they are going to be farming organically, which I think is great, and maybe making wine uh, sort of naturally, but they say they make natural wine, but we're not quite sure, or we're not quite sure that they farm organically. So we are. I am at the moment putting in, in place certain elements. Um, you know, it's gonna take probably about a year. Um, you know, looking at carbon footprint carbon footprint, footprint impact uh, of, of the winery, looking at testing, uh, samples for actual pesticide residues. So these are conversations that I'm having at the moment, and looking at how we can implement those and what will be the cost, because we're trying to make this, you know, as cost-effective as possible for the for the growers. Um, is it going to be ever a raw wine certification? I don't know. I think it's probably going to be something much more internal, so that I know that whoever is out there actually, you know, you know, if they say they do something, then I can prove that uh, more effectively. Doing a certification process, you know, it's it's quite a lengthy process. We do get analysis from every single wine in terms of like sulfite levels, for example. So we do, you know, whenever we put, we put an event on like this, it takes months of preparation and hassling the growers of like, we need you know, certain paperwork and, and so on. Um, yeah, we, you know, we, it, I do what I can to sort of make sure that it's all above board. But you know, we're dealing with human beings and sometimes people, you know, even if you're certified organic, you could still do something that actually- That are farmers needs.
2: in the field.
3: Yeah, so I mean I'd like very, to think they're that they're very busy. Yeah, I'd like to think most people, you know, would, you know, are, are are legit, but um you know one thing that I wanted to I guess I think it's important I think that you, your question brings me to to this point is that okay. Yes, you know some people might want to, like Antonella, you know for her, she's adamant that she doesn't want to use anything and to make completely natural wine. Some people are not comfortable with that. You know, some people are comfortable with adding, add bottling or adding during the fermentation process. And I think that's really okay too, you know. I think it's very easy to sort of Criticise or judge because somebody maybe has 50 parts or maybe a little bit of sulfites. I think what we need to think about as a as a as a group of people as a community is that we need to think about you know the bigger picture, which is I know I mentioned earlier is, is the environment. You know, if somebody decides they're going to go and make low intervention organic wine because actually it's a great marketing term, you know maybe that's okay too. You know maybe if they are going, if they farm. 100 hectares or 50 hectares that will start the, 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 converse, the conversion process. I think, I think that's a battle that we're winning. You know, recently was in the south of Spain in the Sherry. I mean, Sherry is like a region notoriously famous for not having anybody farming really uh, organically. It's a huge area in the south of Spain. And I was invited by a big group to do a talk to the entire sales team because they're thinking of converting, and they have about you know 1,500 hectares. So if somebody like this actually thinks that, you know, maybe because the consumer wants it, that they are going to start farming organically, I mean, that is amazing, you know, and I think that's also what we need to think about, is like, it's not just splitting hairs and saying, you add 10 parts, you don't add, or you add maybe 50 or 70 parts. As long as we're transparent, and that was always what I wanted to do with the fair, is just putting it out there, you know when you taste. That this this wine has 50 or 30 or whatever, so you know that you can make your decision. The rest, frankly, the wine making is important, but the farming is way more important. And it's only by also bringing people together and having people who maybe are not comfortable with with making completely sulfite-free wines, because it's really hard and you take risk and you can go and talk to all the growers out there. You know, you could lose the entire vintage or you could actually or alienate your entire customer base by by moving to being completely sulphide free. If you're not comfortable with doing that, then that's okay too, you know. It's just like I think we have to sort of be strict, only allow people who are doing what they say that they're doing, um, farming organically, adding only a little bit of sulfides, but also letting people that are just beginning on the journey, because we have to remember that you know why are we here? You know, you're not here just because you're coming to spend a day in Brooklyn. You're here because you believe in something much bigger. I'm here because I'm believing in something much bigger. You know, I wanted to share a story from from my family. You know, I I and you maybe you've heard this before and I'm sorry if it's a repetition. <laughs> but I was brought up in a family of farmers. We are I'm seventh generation. I was brought up literally with my family the whole time doing the vintage Going in the vines, you know, I actually hated it as a kid because I wanted to be doing other stuff. And I was brought up in a family where, you know, we'd go and and pick, you know, morals, wild mushrooms, you know, in, in March. Pick snails. I'd bring the ducks in the vines to pick the snails. And, you know, they were wild salad. We would forage in our vineyard. And that was in the 70s and in the 80s. And in the 80s, you know, my parents were working s- so hard, and I, you know, I don't hold it against them because I saw their lifestyle. But somebody turns up at the door and says, "You should use like a Roundup equivalent, because then, cause my dad never had a holiday ever since uh, Whenever I mean, I mean, my dad died; he was 60 from over from, from spraying the vineyards, and I never saw him have a holiday, really, when I was growing up because he didn't have any time. So somebody turns up and says, "Use Roundup equivalent. You'll have some days off." And then they're like, use a machine because then, you know, my mom was was doing the vintage and she was feeding 30 people for three weeks, having kids and all of this. And then somebody says, have a machine. You don't have to feed anybody anymore. You know, and then I saw my whole family vineyard being converted from a beautiful organic vineyard to a completely mechanized, non-organic vineyard, you know, I'm in a region where, and, and it's still to this day formed uh, conventionally by my brother, which is a big family dispute, but you know, he's taken over, so I can't, they, None of my family get what I'm doing. They think I'm this kind of like extraterrestrial terrestrial person, you know, who just brings nice wine, but then that's it, we can never talk about anything. So I saw the whole conversion you know, the, the other way around. And my dad died of lung cancer from, from spraying the vines. My uncle died of Parkinson's disease from spraying the vines. You know, I come from a, a whole region of France completely decimated by, by, by this chemical um, activity in the vineyards. And that's why I do what I do. And I guess this is a very long word really. You know, I actually don't give a fuck if you want to use 10 parts per million as long as you declare it what's important to me is that that you're going into that vineyard, that I can eat the leaf of your vines, and I know I'm not going to get sick from it. That's what we need to do. That's what we're doing what we're doing, you know, and that's why it's amazing that this is changing. We're getting somewhere after years of, like, you know, changing stuff. But let's not get complacent, because we have a long way to go. You know, we're still talking about 7% of the worldwide vineyards farmed organically. So, you know, it's Sorry, I didn't mean to put a damper on everything, but I just think it's, for me, this is why when it it gets tough, we don't know what's going on, like, what gets up gets me in the morning is is knowing that what we're doing actually has an impact, you know, and that's amazing, that we can have an impact, just by opening a bottle of wine, we can have an impact on on the environment, I mean, it's incredible.
2: Want to take another question?
3: Yeah, yeah, sure, I don't know what time it is. Yeah, we have
2: time, we have time. Uh,
3: Come, come, come forth, you
4: yeah, know, this gentleman. Hello. Hello. Um, I'm Alexis Schwartz. I work with Zev Vine Selections, and we're a natural wine distributor. Really proud of what we do, so come talk to me later. Um, I just wanted to, like, segue into maybe a more positive note. Yes, um sure. Just this idea that... Um, Something that I've seen, I mean, I'm super young, but I've been working almost exclusively in natural wine for about nine years at this point, and it's been really exciting to see the conversation uh, building around scalable biodynamic agriculture. And we've yep. recently picked up Mindclang in our portfolio, um, and then we've been working with like, uh, Agricola Torelli for a bit as well, um, and I'm really proud of what they do as a farm. Um, And I think like a lot of interesting conversation that we can start to have, like obviously I'm really proud of the little guys and the really focused artisanal winemakers in my book, but I've been very energized when we want to talk about where we go next to be highlighting producers like that as well. Mm. Not just like the cult favorites or like in my opinion, like the new masters, but also scalable winemakers. And that's its own realm of production and its own feet um, and I was wondering, since, you know, you're in the field, you're in Europe regularly visiting, are there any other, you know, Spain is an interesting conversation. Are there any other names that you're really energized about that could be the next Mindclang or the next Trelli or, yeah.
3: Yeah, no, I agree with you. I mean, there's actually quite a few people out there. And I think that is a great point is, is, is you know, scalability. You know, I know some people probably disagree that, you know, this is a scalable feat, but um, but I think you're, you're you're getting people who are farming like 1,000, 2,000 hectares by having you know wheat and animals, husbandry, and 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 you know by having more and more people and employing more and more people. And I think you're right. You know the the market is buoyant, and actually maybe there is space also for something like this. Um, and I think you, you are, we are seeing people like exciting co-ops even in the south of France, uh, places, in, places in Spain, places in Italy that are doing this, which is really exciting. Yeah, I think it's a really good point. Thank you.
2: We have a question over there. Go on. I'm a consumer, <laughs> someone going into a store. Normally I would say to the person, you know, I would tell them what I'm looking for, this idea of I want to have a touch at all, and
3: I want not to have this kind of vocabulary. I mean, uh, the challenge will be to actually, you know, I would challenge the people in the store to be able to tell you exactly what kind of farming they're doing and what people are spraying or not spraying. I'm not sure there is this level of, of detail being. So I think, for me, I think certification is actually a great thing. But I think it should be not the goal. It just should be the very basic minimum, just uh, as a starting point, And then you build from that. Um, And I think actually a lot of people do want to be certified as a a guarantee, but it's just unless you speak to the grower and know exactly what they're doing, expecting people in a shop to know exactly what's happening is actually quite a challenge, I think. And also, you know, there is the danger that people are because it's it sells and people want to sell, you know, that actually they might sell you something that kind of looks natural or screams natural, but might not even be, you know, or, or organic. And that's but that's where you have to ask even more questions. Yeah. Let's get the So I work I can talk about it. Oh, it's it's being recorded, so it's
7: helpful, to,
4: be able
7: to Okay, I work for a distributor that is sells only natural and organic wine. And I've been doing this for a very short period of time, and I will tell you, when I walked in the very first accounts or prospective accounts to try to sell wine, and I talked about natural and organic only, I got glass eyes. You know, (laughs) they're just, they didn't know enough about it, and there's nothing worse for a sum than not knowing about a wine somebody's talking to them about because they're the expert or should be. Um, So I found that natural and organic became a point of resale for me and not a point of initial sale, and by that I mean... I wanted them to taste the wines and hear a little bit about the story of the vineyards. And then, once they did that, then I could say, hey, guess what? These are natural and organic wines. And then all of a sudden, natural and organic didn't become this scary thing to them. They said, oh, gee, we like the wines. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I like the point that somebody made about certification, because there's certified organic wines. Natural is not certified yet. And that would make life easy. And I think the way somebody else talked about grassroots. Grassroots to me, or everybody in this room, has incredible power because of social media. I don't care what channel you're on, but you have incredible power to take photos today, to send out messages today. And trust me, people read those, and those are very impactful. And it's a very cheap thing to do. And, And every winemaker here and every distributor has the opportunity to do PR. I can tell you I've written to 15 magazines in my market and because writers are always looking for stories. And I say there's a movement towards natural and organic wines, and you can talk about Pet Not or you can talk about orange wines. There's so much to talk about, and they love it. And they will contact, if you give them a restaurant, a SOM, an owner of a distributor that's an expert, your name, they will talk to you, and all that PR goes a long way. So it, the rest, it, when I hear about environment, I care about that. But boy, if I want to go try to sell wine based on environmental conditions, yeah. I better just pack my bag and go home yeah. and stay there, because yeah. that's, that's too big of an elephant to eat, even one <laughs> bite at a time, you know, so.
2: Thank you.
1: Yeah,
3: that's a good point. Maybe the last, what time is it?
2: We have time for two more questions.
3: Go on.
0: Hi, uh, thank you so much for talking with all of us. Um, my, my name is Catherine. I'm a sommelier at a restaurant in Detroit called Lady of House. And um, I have a lot of success uh, kind of educating my servers uh, with selling natural wine, but I was, I'm was, i always looking to try and do more and have it more structured so that they can understand it and actually be the boots on the ground to sell all of these magnificent things. Um, we model our list on natural wines. We do have some more conventionally done things as well, simply because our market isn't quite where... The, you know the coastal markets are, um, but I was wondering if you had any pointed tactics that might help with education for those people who have the boots on the ground at the restaurant floor. Thank you. I mean, I think I think you've you've nailed it. You know, I, I when I write wine lists,
3: our main priority is to survive as a business, so you have to write a commercially viable wine list. Um, so I think you know, going down the route of just doing very you know weird and wonderful and maybe sort of you know very, very Maybe too natural for a market which is not ready for it. Um, But, you know, I think natural wine is not just about, you know, weird and wonderful or unusual. You know, there's a lot of, actually, people in this, you know, because we always say, oh, they're all vins de France, or they have no appellation, but actually tons of, of natural wines are in the appellation system. And I think sometimes, though, some, some, something I find actually very useful when I do my wine is, is, is to look at you know some famous appellation names and introduce the name Bordeaux, Rhone, you know Chateauneuf-du-Pape, but use people like Domaine de Villeneuve or use people who are within the appellation who have managed to retain and who are interested in retaining the appellation of, of their region because they're really proud of it, and have them as, as, as a way of you know, you could actually have almost an entirely natural wine list, and no one has to know it's an internationally, you know, it's an international wine list. It's a natural wine list. And I think that's the key, is is to have something which has integrity, is at the very minimum organic. You could have an all-organic wine list, and maybe more commercially organic, and then introduce some, you know, more difficult wines to maybe sell, because people, you know, be more of a shock. Um, But I, I... I tend to use, you know, like champagnes, you know, I would never list anything like Veuve and so on or, you know, sorry, but, you know, like <laughs> these brands. But I have like all the appellations, I have all the great varieties and then get people to, to go into, into these wines from wines that you actually, whether, you know, you can tell because you have a lot of sort of very classic wines in these appellations that are made completely naturally without any sulfites even and with a great farming Um, you know, but but in terms of staff training, I think you need to get the growers, because they are the ones who get the story the best and gets really, really excited, yeah. And also put wine in front of of dishes, you know, get the chef to get dishes out, and and then suddenly put the wines with the dishes, because I think that a lot of these wines, as you know, really come alive with with food, so have them in context. Because I think very often you do programs, and then you don't really do food and wine matching exercises for the team. How often does your team get to taste all the dishes from the kitchen? You
1: know.
2: All right, we have time for one more question, if there is one out there, and then we're going to wrap things up.
1: Well, mine more than a question is just a comment. Uh, I am a distributor. I am in Tennessee, and our portfolio is 95 percent natural wines. Um, w- Most of our clients, we cannot even go and get them tasting a wine if we say, oh look, it's so cool, it's a natural wine. Because they are going to say, oh, it's a natural wine, it must be stinky, mousy, must have a lot of vie, uh, you know, it must have problems and flaws. So basically what we go is we take out our wine and we don't say that they are natural wines. Just have them tasting. It's live. it's good, you like it. Most of them don't even know that it's a natural wine. It's deceiving, yes, I'm sorry. (laughs) But, you know, for us, uh, you know, our goal is uh, we sell this wine because uh, we love it, we like it, we drink it. And our goal is to get the final audience, the public, uh, to drink this wine when they go to the restaurants or when they go to the retailer shop. So people, yeah, may not know that it's a natural wine, but they just enjoy it. They like, they come back saying, this was a different wine. It takes a lot of damn work, believe me, because it's uh, it does make sense commercially. We need to go against the stream. And you know, but when they say, hey, you all, this is good. Okay, that's it. So, you know, even when you go in a shop, you don't see natural wine, organic session. It's really about uh, try to have a final public to do a little bit of work, investigation. Everyone has an iPhone. You can go read the label. Because sometimes it's not the distributor's fault. We cannot do more than what we are doing. It's just a getting people to know that no, natural wine are not always stinky, mousy, too much VA, etc. They're just good. Just drink it. <laughs> On that note.
2: Thank, thank you for that. Um, thank you, everyone, for attending. Uh, thank you to Isabel Legéron for this talk and for all of this. Um, if you want more information, Isabel wrote a book a few years ago, Natural Wine, an Introduction to Organic and Biodynamic Wines Made Naturally. And if you really want to deep dive into that, um, Isabel's book's outside. Uh, at Heritage Radio, we're doing an event called Coferment, It's an exploration of the intersection of cider, wine, and beer. It's tomorrow, Raw Wine Week, at 100 Bogart Street, right here in Brooklyn, um, at 6.30 p.m. So look out for that, too, and thank you again for coming.
3: Thank you.